Okay. Welcome to the Diving Pod. I'm Patrick Jeffrey, two-time Olympian and head diving coach at Stanford University. And I'm Heath Calhoun. And I'm Aaron Rooney. As always, this podcast is brought to you by Sideline Scout. Make sure you uh, use our link tree in our Instagram bio. Get over to sidelinescout.com. Check out Poolside Live. It's the perfect TiVo replacement for all things video replay and diving, which is one of our most important tools that we can use technology for. So again, sidelinescout.com. Make sure you get over there and check out Poolside Live and even upgrade to the box package if you want. All right. Awesome. Well, Patrick, um, just kind of take us through for our listeners, your diving journey and how you got to where you are right now. Um. Yeah, I can do that for you, but only if you guys tell me your diving journey too. I want to know a little bit about you too. So, <laughs> all right. Well, uh, so I started diving with Doe and Julian Krug um, whenever I was fourteen down at Pit Aquatics Club. I got to meet Cassidy once or twice, and that's like was surreal. But um, I dove there with them for four years throughout high school. I started as a freshman in high school. And, um, out of high school, went to Louisville, ended up transferring to Clarion, a D2 school where I coach now, like my alma mater. And, um, I just love, I love diving and this podcast has been able to give us so much more knowledge and it's just neat. Like you said, it's neat hearing everybody's stories. Like I just fell in love with diving from the second I went home from practice. Like I had done football, baseball, bat, all that stuff. And I can vividly remember going home after my first diving practice at five o'clock, I fell asleep at five 30 and slept till seven 30 the next day. Cause I had never used like my whole body to like swim and get out of the water. And I was like, Oh my gosh. And I was hooked, hooked from that point forward. Well, I have to tell you this. When I was an age grouper, we used to go to meet in Clarion and I dove in that pool. I did all the big guys in that pool when I was in, in high school. So yeah, that is absolutely bizarre to hear. Cause I have always heard about this infamous, like Clarion open. Great. Like the Cincinnati divers used to come over and all the New Jersey and New York and and virginia divers used to come it was it was a great meet it was really good yeah and i remember people telling me they're like i think patrick jeffrey dove at the old pool uh scott donnie dove at the old pool i'm like what like that's incredible so that is small world oh my goodness (laughs) all right aaron give us yours well i was always kind of a small fry i only dove high school um i connected with a really good coach she dove for the gophers her name is tracy torgerson um, she was Tracy Lavoy before Torgerson and she kind of took me under the, her wing in the summertime and I just wanted more diving. And mm-hmm. then I ended up at a couple of summer camps at the university of Minnesota. I went to UT at Austin and saw Matt Scoggin. And again, I just continued to want more diving. I wasn't heavily recruited as I only did high school. So I ended up going to St. Cloud state, a D2 school in Minnesota here. And then that's where Heath and I met at nationals for division two. Um, we were just kind of two peas in a pod on the pool deck, joking around and, and always having stupid little side comments about everything and everyone and every dive and every situation, try to keep each other loose on the pool deck. Um, and yeah, like Heath said, the podcast has kind of just given me that always wanting more. Um, I like to think I always kind of elevated to my surroundings. So when I would go to those elite diving camps, I would come out a lot better because I just would never say no to a coach. So there's definitely some part of me that is like, man, I wish I would have done a little bit more, even as like you mentioned, an age grouper, even though that wasn't really a a thing where I'm from, I'm about two and a half hours North of the twin cities. And that's where everything happens in Minnesota for diving. 
Um, but yeah, just, I'm always continuing to want more in this sport and this, this, this is where it's led us. Well, that's great. I'm so glad to hear all that. Um, I think you guys sound like the perfect guys to do this. Um, <laughs> as, uh, you know, I'm sure you ask all the gr great questions and you want to know like so much about everybody, like the other people, like we just all know about each other all the time, mm -hmm. you know? <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. So like my, my, my journey was I, um, I started, uh, I was, I did all like, uh, like Heath, I did all the football, baseball, wrestling, mm -hmm. swimming. I did everything. And in my house, it wasn't like, are you going out for a sport this season? It was like, what sport are you going out for this <laughs> Yeah. My dad came out of Pennsylvania. His father was a coal miner. He played football and baseball. And, you know, like it was just kind of blue collar-ish. Just, you know, let's get out there. So I played football for six years. I wrestled. I played baseball for seven years. And I finally this boy moved to our town this guy's name was bob bauer he he moved to our town from a different town and, and he his town's ymca had men's gymnastics and he did that and he wanted to keep doing it but our town didn't have men's gymnastics and it just had diving and he was like i'm gonna try the diving team and i met him in the summer before we started he they came right after the end of school one year and it was like the year before my seventh grade year in 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 school and and he um you know he asked me he was like hey you want to because we would bounce around the diving boards and we were just doing whatever and he's like you want to try diving with me uh, you know so i remember going to my dad and i was like dad i want to try diving he's like you want you want to what like what's that <laughs> he was like diving you know he's like okay and i told him the dates and he's it overlapped with football he's like that's fine just don't miss football practice for that <laughs> that was exact same <laughs> thing in my house exact same <laughs> and i was like okay and then it was really funny because my my dad he's passed now but like he was awesome he supported the hell out of me he had no idea what and he was my baseball coach he was my football coach he was like he was he was in there all the time and like he didn't know what to tell me about that he's like you're, you're going in like this and you need to go in like this i'm like thanks dad but um anyway so I, that's i started there i did i did two years and it was just like january and february like my seventh and eighth grade and my ninth grade it was i did those three years just in the YMCA. And I dove with this coach. Her name was Lynn Losey. She was awesome. She was just a YMCA coach. And she used to take us, she'd pack us up in her station wagon. She used to do wallpapering and she'd like have to get all her wallpaper stuff out of there. And we'd get like 10 kids in the station wagon. We'd drive down to like whatever AAU meet in Bridgewater or Tom's River or something. And, you know, and she'd bring all these donuts and, you know, and it was fun. And I got to the point where I started doing pretty well. Um, and there were several club teams, really good ones. There was one out of Princeton, one out of Bridgewater, and one out of Columbia University in New York City. And um, uh, the, the parents were in the stands and they told my parents, they're like, your kid needs to be on one of our teams, you know, like, and they told my dad that that's all I needed to hear. So um, we were closest to, to Columbia. And um, that was Jim Stilson. He coached at SMU for, you know, I don't know how many years, 20 something years. Um, but he was at Columbia before that and he had an age group team. And I remember like the first time I, you know, went, my parents drove me from New Jersey to New York city. We drove over the George Washington bridge, you know, like with, uh, you know, and go to try out for, you know, this guy. And, um, I was so excited and, and, and I ended up on this really great little age group team that Jim ran out of Columbia and like, Jamie Silverman was on that team. She won the nationals, you know, the Wellishes, the Wences, they all did like ACC schools. They were really good. Um, 
Steve Farrick went to Harvard. He was great. Scott Doney was on my team. Um, and it was a, it was a really good little team. And then I, you know, I won the junior nationals and then I was recruited to Ohio state and I wanted to go to Ohio state. So bad. I had qualified for senior nationals twice before I left college, high school. And I remember just seeing the Ohio state team was just like, I just thought they were the awesomest, you know, Kelly McCormick and Bradshaw and, um, Doug Schaefer was there, but he left before I got there. But like, I got to know all those, those guys and they were like really nice to me. Kim Fugit, um, who's Kim Fain now, she judges a lot. Um, and, and I really wanted to go there. And um, Vince recruited me and I went on two recruit trips. The second one, I told the guy I'm going to Ohio State. He still said, you know, come to, come to on my trip. And they were awesome. It was University of Illinois and it was Fred Woodruff and he was just so nice. I couldn't say no, but I went and I didn't, you know, I told him, you know, after I, like, I'm going to Ohio State. And, um, but so I went to Ohio State and I was there for eight years. I was in Columbus for eight years. But when I got there, I was the only freshman. Like Randy Abelman had moved from Iowa to die for a year. His wife, his current wife, Karen, was there. Kelly McCormick, Mark Bradshaw, Mike Ryan. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, uh, who else? Brent Victor, um, you know, Kim Fugit, um, Lisa Tromley, who was, you know, um, Mark Bradshaw's wife and the mother of their kid, uh, you know, Cameron, who's an awesome diver too. <laughs> um, but anyways, like just, there was, there's like 13, 14 divers on the team and I was the only freshman and they all were on the national team. It took me like till almost my sophomore year to make the senior national team. And like, I was just like, what am I doing here? You know, but um, they were all amazing, really supportive, really, really great. And then after, you know, all that, I, I went through college. Um, you know, I, I won the NCAAs. My, it was my fifth year. Vince redshirted me in my senior year because they were putting platform in for the first time ever that next year. And he's like, I want to redshirt you so that you can dive in the platform event too. And that was the year I won all three events. And that was super cool. Um, and then after that, I made the Olympic team a couple of months later that was a good year um <laughs> yeah, <I would> say. <laughs> and then i stayed for a few more years but i left i i i needed to get out of ohio it was just i you know just there's i the the problem with ohio for me was like the sun never came out it was just yeah let's call it gray lumbus and i loved i loved ohio state it was fun it was you know it was a wonderful experience but i you know i moved to florida i dove with ron o'brien for a couple of years and i dove with randy for a little while down after he had become a coach and you know after all you know he moved from south carolina to miami so i dove with randy and i loved diving with randy um and i dove with uh lee kong chang as well so um and that's that was my and i made my second olympic team with lee kong chang so so <laughs> incredible you you mentioned ohio state that was the spot like what was the thing that sold it for you was it always just the historical greatness and once you were at that level and they were looking at you it was like yep this is the spot was there anything on your recruiting visit that solidified it talk us through that a little bit well <laughs> um i no i just i the, the the divers were amazing i mean they were just so good and my recruiting visit was, let's just say it was a lot of fun. Um, 
we'll just leave it at that. It's 1983, I think, you know. So. Oh, man. <laughs> we we can read between the lines. It was, it was good. But it wasn't all about that. They, right. they were just so nice. And they just really... Were, and their their focus was diving. They they wanted you know to be great divers. Um, and just watching them, you know, train and and Vince, you know, I mean, I can't say enough about Vince. You know, Vince is just an amazing coach. I remember going to his office just to, like just to talk to him about something like when he didn't really know I was going to show up, and he'd be reading like the. New England, New England Journal of Medicine about, you know, squat, you know, doing squats or something, you know, just about weight training or resistance training or like just he was always doing watching film or something, you know, he was just so engaged and passionate, you know, about diving and really was super lucky to be able to to dive with him. And I, and he was really intense, you know, and I, I think a lot of people, from the outside looking in would read that as he was kind of could be a jerk a little bit, but it wasn't like that. It never felt like that. It always just felt like he really cared, you know, and I had other coaches that were a little more, you know, that the lens was reversed. Like it felt more like that internally and it didn't look like that externally, you know? So, you know, and Vince never cared about what anybody else thought, you know, yeah. he just cared about us. So, I mean, that was pretty, you know, and, and he was like one of those coaches where like, if we did well, it was all us, like it was all, you know, Patrick. And if we did crappy, it was like all his fault, you know, <laughs> he's like, I'm taking the blame for this, you know, and we're going to fix it. And, and I think that's the way I feel all the time now as a coach, because I think I kind of learned that from Vince, you know, um, and, uh, he he was just, he, there's just a situation and the culture that he created at Ohio State. We were so tight, you know. If he got any wind of us not getting along, there would be no diving. We'd sit down and we'd have a meeting. I remember a couple times we would go in for practice and there was no practice. It was just this whole meeting about like, you know, you have to get behind each other, you have to support each other. You know, who who's going to be cheering for you? The guy on the other team. You know, like we've got to do this the right way. And that's why we are all still friends to this day. Every single one of us that was on all, all the, the years that I've been there, every single kid that I go with at Ohio State is still like one of my best friends. And I would do anything for him. That, so that's incredible. It just it sounds <clears throat> like Ohio State just did things the right way. And you just were able to learn so much from that leadership from Vince. And it just, it's really neat to hear because it's like, you don't hear that from coaches as much as I think we used to in terms of like when there's success, it's the athlete. When there's not success, it's the coach. And I think that's a great lesson for a lot of coaches to learn. Yeah, well, for me personally, and, and you know, a lot of people don't have this in their life. You know, I, I went to the Olympics a couple of times and I went <laughs> as a coach and I and I, I did a lot of that stuff. So I don't need to go back to the Olympics. I, I I want one, I want my kids to achieve their dreams. And part of that is hopefully me supporting them and going there with them and, you know, making sure that, you know, they navigate it properly because I've been to several of them. Um, but that's not for me. That's for them, you know? Uh, and I just feel like that's really, that that's just because of my journey and 
like you know and, and i don't think it's bad to you know have some sort of personal you know skin in the game you know mm -hmm. I, I don't think as a coach i think that's fine too but like that's mm -hmm. just not me as yeah much. yeah that that's incredible so so while you were at ohio state what was the your major and then did you know you always wanted to be a coach okay my major was advertising and journalism my I, when I when I got into Ohio State, I wanted to go Ohio. My major was diving. <laughs> yeah. Right. When I, I I wanted to die. I was one of those kids. I was yep. like I had to get my grades so I could dive. You know. So <laughs> when I got there. Um. I, you know, I talked to my dad about it. I didn't know what I, I didn't know what I wanted to do, and he was like, you know, there's a really good. And my dad was a businessman. He's like, there's a really good business school there. It was like top three in the country. It was like behind Stanford and Harvard at that point. And um, so I went to. Ohio State and I was trying to get into the business school you had to qualify to get in it wasn't really hard <clears throat> you had to get like C's or B's and like five or seven prerequisite courses like statistics and accounting and all these different things and like I was getting like decent grades like not they weren't horrible like it was getting they were good enough to get in but the one course I took that I actually liked was marketing and the part of the marketing course I liked was the advertising part of it and there was like all the all the other stuff in business was like really dry to me it was like i was it was just really hard to you know do plus i'm attention deficit and i couldn't you know i couldn't sit and study it was like it was hard but um anyways i, I figured out like the advertising um major didn't have a lot of like some of like statistics and accounting and all that stuff in it that i didn't like and it was in the journalism school and I'm a pretty creative person. I'm, I'm more of an artist than a technician. I've always said that about myself, just coaching and otherwise. I mean, I think I'm a good technician, but I think, I think, um, you know, uh, creativity is one of my strong points. So when I went into the, the advertising school, it, it just fit. And all of a sudden I got my grades just went way up. I got like all A's. I was just like really happy. And I didn't realize I was like, oh my God, you can actually like school. And this is one of my advice for the kids who are going to college to make sure they find something that they love. That's what college is about. It's not about, oh, I got to get these grades so I can dive. It's like, find what you love to do, find something that you're interested in. And it's going to be so much easier. And I think that's really, really important. And when I found that, it was just, the other advice for kids in college, which, you know, because I wasn't like the best student in the world, is go to every class, read everything they tell you to read, and you're going to get at least a C, probably a B. And then if you study a little bit, you'll get an A. But if you miss classes and you don't get prepared for, you know, if you don't read the things that they tell you to read, it's, you know, it's going to be harder. I, I just laugh right now because hearing you talk, just reminds me so much of my journey through like life uh, in college. Like I hated college. I dove, <laughs> found a major I liked. And now here I am like trying to get my second master's because like I'm finding things I'm interested in. And whenever you're interested in it, it's easy to want to learn about it. So it just, there's Absolutely. just so many it's like, like similarities. Yeah. It just, it's, it's like, diving. like yeah. everybody's like, Oh, you worked so hard. And I was like, none of it was work. Yeah. It was so much fun. I love it. Love it. So yep. much. That's awesome. You know. So you uh, you mentioned it in your diving uh, kind of recap for your career. You are still the only diver to sweep all three boards at NCAAs. Although many have tried, that record still stands. What does that record mean to you? 
Um, I, I don't know if I call it like a record. I think it's kind of like an achievement or something. I don't know. It's kind of like not a points <laughs> score or anything. But was it mean? I mean, it means I, it was great when I did. I was really, it was really cool. I didn't realize that other people weren't going to be able to do it. And I think it's getting harder because people specialize. Yeah. And also, let's just be honest here. The kids are so much better. <laughs> They're so the good. They're so good. I mean, they're so much better than we were. So much more consistent. You have to dive to like such a, a higher level in every event to win. And you know, I remember. I think you know, on the one in the one meter event, I had to do two really great dives at that. I think I did my last, my two last dives were twisters, and I got like eight and a halves on both of them. But like, I think I did a dive for fives in that list somewhere. You know. <laughs> I did something stupid. I pulled my gainer over or something, you know, but like, you know, I, you do that, you're not winning anymore. Yeah. So, you know, I think it's a different time. I, I, I'm very proud of it. And obviously, you know, it was, I got trained differently, you know, maybe if I had the training I had today, I'd be able to do it. But like, I, you know, I can't say, but I, I think it's just getting harder to do. Yeah. And I think that's why it hasn't been done. Well, I actually, I actually agree with you. And I'm going to flip it right back to you again, Jack Ryan, we had him on the podcast and, and we think, and we don't know if it was absolutely confirmed or not, but, but he pulled up the stats. Mm. Jack had the highest overall judge score total on the one meter event at men's NCs this year. He just yeah. got beat by DD. I mean, that's, yeah, that's surprised. incredible. I'm not surprised. He yeah. knows so well. He's he so much crazy. fun to watch. Like, he's, he's so, so, okay, so we have to get your side. This is not on the, the outline, but we have to get your side of this. We asked Jack this. What is up with the ritual of you throwing the chamois at him? Yeah. <laughs> I want to hear your side it of the story. It just happened one time. It just happened one time. It's really funny because Jack's like that kind of guy. Like, you know, we uh, my, well, my assistant coach, who's, by the way, shout out to Reed Merritt, amazing guy. I love him. He's like, I'm kind of mentoring him. He's young. He's like 25, 26 years old. He went to University of Texas. He's awesome. He wants to be a coach. Um, but they do like Reed does like handshakes with everybody and all this stuff. And you know, and and Jack and him have like a you know five minute handshake. But like for <laughs> me, you know, like it just happened one time. He came up to me and you know he just gave me a chamois. He like threw it at me and I had it. And then when he was done with his model, I threw it at him and hit him in the chest and he caught it. And he was like so. And it kind of just felt right. And we never even talked about like, hey, let's do this, you know? And it just started happening and it just never stopped. That's and awesome. I love it because he comes over and he does a model and I talk him through it. And I started doing this with Connor mm -hmm. because Connor didn't like to be coached a lot before he dove. But mm -hmm. like, he'd say, can I come over and do a model? And, you know, a lot of coaches have, like, I know Hong Ping makes all his kids do models and they do these pristine models where they go. And, but like, I don't make my kids do that if they don't want to, but like, uh, you know, I think it's a good idea. Um, but some of them don't like to do it, but Connor would come up to me and do these models. And I'd like talk, I'd talk him through it. Like I wouldn't coach him like really strongly, like do this, do that. But like, mm -hmm. as he would do his model, I remind him of these cube points that he always wanted to think about. And I would mm -hmm. say them while he would do them, but I wouldn't, it wasn't like really like, it's kind of a suggestion, you know? Yeah. Connor was in his head, like in this certain way, he just really got in his zone. And I didn't mm -hmm. want to like mess that up. Right. And so Jack started doing that too. But like I coached Jack a little more aggressively than I coached Connor. Mm -hmm. And so 
like Jack will come over and he'll do his model and I'll be like, okay, you know, like squeeze off your drive, off your hop step. Okay. Out in front, stand flat, step out over the top, you know, like drawing, you know, head up underwater, like all that. And like, we'd go through the whole thing and then he'd look at me and then I'd just throw a shaman, I'd hit him in the chest and just catch it and like, <laughs> go. And I don't know, it just, it turned into a thing. And I think it's, it's a great thing. And yeah. And uh, the, one of the things I love about Jack too, he's not one of those kids, like if something doesn't happen perfect, like if you didn't catch a chamois and hit the ground, he'd be like, oh no, we got to do it again. Like you'd be like, whatever, I'm still going to smoke this guy. Like, don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, yeah, it was, that's pretty much exactly what he said, which it's just neat, like watching those interactions between coaches. Um, so, so you mentioned it again, your opportunity to participate in the Olympics. Can you just walk our listeners and us through what were those experiences like for you? Well, um they were there's there's a lot of emotions surrounding all that um my first olympic games to qualifying for it was just just mind-blowing i had two of my teammates had qualified for the team before me uh kelly robertson mccormick back then but kelly robertson and mark bradshaw both qualified on springboard and it was the last day and I went into the finals. I was, I think, 40 points out. And, um, you know, I had to make up 40 points. <laughs> and I just I just dove lights out. I had never been better than fifth at a national championships before that. And, I, you know, I just smoked everything. And, you know, it's funny because one of the things that happened to me was two weeks before the Olympic trials, two and a half weeks before the Olympic trials, I was doing a gainer twister in the belt. And we did the, we had our dry land up in the stadium and I was in the middle of my twister and a clip broke and I oh. swung across the, the room in a flat spin and I smacked my head on a cement pillar. And that was like horrible. And I couldn't, I couldn't dive for a while after that. I had a concussion. Um, and the other thing that happened was I, I had hurt my wrist and I couldn't go in head first. And Vince made me do like come to practice every day. And I did somersaults off the side of the pool every day. I did like a hundred somersaults off the side of the pool. I did like front, back, reverse, inward somersaults side of the pool. And so I had to do a lot of visualizing after like I couldn't dive when I hit my head. And I had to do a lot of, um, you know, I did a lot of just the starts, like the platform starts mm -hmm. because I couldn't go in head first. I couldn't go in. My wrist was messed up. And um, when I got to the trials, my starts were all like, amazing and <laughs> it was because i did all those flips it was because i was i had gotten hurt and um vince tells the story and i think you know i think uh jack also attributes some of his success mm -hmm. from not being able to go in head first for a while too and i was actually talking to um drew johansson about um about andrew's uh, capo's you know triple out and he said mm -hmm. his he had like a little thing with his shoulder and mm -hmm. he couldn't go in head first for a little while and he did a bunch of triple out lead ups on one meter to his feet and he said they got so much better mm -hmm. and it just reminded me like something that i went through with yeah. that too. so but then i made the team it was wonderful we go to the olympics and the day i wake up to dive in the olympic games i had a 102 degree fever and that was like not good <laughs> so oh. You know, I'd worked my whole life. It was like this whole thing. And um, and that day wasn't as bad as the next day because I, I kind of got through it. I got like seventh or sixth in the prelims and I made the finals, you know, and um, 
But the next day I was, I was still sick and I was just so tired and I was so worn out. And I was so sick and I, you know, it was not good and I didn't dive well. I got last in the final, but at least I just showed up. I was like, I got to do this. So that was kind of disappointing. Um, but, you know, I kind of have the rug pulled out under you in the last minute, but at least I got to go there and I got to, you know, do it. So I wanted to go back, you know, and, and, uh, I didn't make it in 92, mm -hmm. which was really disappointing. We can take, talk about that later if you want. Um, but, and then in, in 96, I made it again. And, um, there's a lot of reasons why like that was different for me and it just felt different. And it was, I was older, I was more mature. I had, you know, my head screwed on straight about why I was diving and what it meant to me. And, um, but at that point, you know, when I was in, in 88, I was doing that max list and no one was doing it. Like it was like me, Luganus and KZ and that was mm -hmm. it. And I had a really good chance to do well if I had, if I could show up like I did even close to what I did at the Olympic trials, mm -hmm. but in 96, like everybody and their dog was doing the list you know like eight years later so um it wasn't as and i i missed I, I did pretty good i missed one dive i ended up ninth i missed my gainer i kicked high i thought it was slow and i went over and um but that was a that was a great experience too but i think you know i think everything happened the way it should have but it, in hindsight i made 88 maybe a little too early and 96 a little too late and 92 what probably would have been my games if i would have made it and um but at the same time, I look at that history and uh, two of my very dearest friends made that team on platform who were uh, Matt Sakagan and Scott Doney, and they both amazing and deserve to be there. And, you know, I, you know, and Scott got a silver medal and, you know, Matt should have gotten a medal besides the fact that he slipped out of his back, which is just, mm -hmm. you know, I, I know how it feels because I woke up with a 102 degree fever. So I, I can't, yeah. you know, but um you know, that's the Olympics, right? Mm -hmm. uh, um, and so, yeah, very interesting Olympic journey. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. So I, I had prompted a question about what divers you looked up to, but we actually covered a whole bunch of that earlier. My next one, I don't know that we ever went over it yet, but how did you end up at Stanford? Oh, um, I think, you know, when Rick retired, he, you know, they were looking for a specific type of, coach and um they wanted somebody who uh you know and i at florida state i had done a lot of i i i worked with kids i used to call them call it the island of misfit divers you know like we get these <laughs> kids all over the place we got some d2 kids coming in we got some kids who like kind of kicked off their teams or like weren't really great students coming out of high school that people weren't willing to take a chance on you know who were talented and i, I just had this reputation of getting everybody you know creating a really good team culture and having everybody go forward in the right direction and keeping them between the lines and under the speed limit and teaching them how to dive and you know they were all successful they all graduated um you know and a lot of them are really doing well some of them are coaching some of them are, have families and they're really happy they got good jobs and all that stuff so i think i just they were looking for a specific type of person and when these people reached out to the diving coaches they knew to, to create a list. I was on every list. And so um, the the swimming coach reached out to me and he asked me, he's like, Hey, have you seen this job is open? And I hadn't applied for it because I was really happy at Florida state. Um, 
but I took that to my athletic director and I was like, and he's like, well, if they're, they're serious. You, you need to look at this. <laughs> and I talked to my parents too. You know, my parents lived in Tallahassee and they had moved there. They were retired there. And my dad was like, you gotta go, you gotta do this. You gotta try, you know, um, this is huge. Don't stay here for us, whatever. And I had other, I have other siblings and my, all my other siblings were like, yeah, no, don't worry about it. We'll figure out, you know, how to make sure they're all supported and everything. So I went and I, I applied for the job and, and I got it. So, yeah. Awesome. That's awesome. So, so Patrick, what's your preference in terms of coaching? Do you like one meter springboard, three meter tower? And like, kind of why is that your preference if you have one? Um, well, just really like off the top of my head, um, kind of to answer your question. Um, I, I love platform diving. I mean, obviously it was one of my things. I think it's mm -hmm. super fun. It's exciting and all that. But with that said, and it's funny because whenever it's platform day, I'm always like, platform day. I'm <laughs> like, yeah, you know, like and I get them all like riled up and they love it. I think it's funny, but, um, but I, I like coaching anything that, someone's engaged in you know yeah. like, like see like jack doesn't die platform mm -hmm. very much when he does platform it's actually not that fun to coach him because i'm just trying to get him to do his dives like two you know two weeks before the conference meets so <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm trying not to get him killed before he starts to win ncaa's on the springboard right yeah um, you know it's probably more scary than than fun but uh you know it's, when somebody's good at something and they're engaged and they're learning and they're getting better that's fun that's amazing mm -hmm. yeah. you have this other kid hunter who's getting starting to get pretty good and um i i love coaching him but he's mostly diving springboard right now he wants to dive platform but i want him to be a little better at what he's doing before we just put another nine meters or you know seven meters under it you know um, is that hunter hollenbeck yes I have a quick aside about Hunter. So I, when I coached a D3 school, I remember calling Hunter when he was like a freshman and he's like, my dream is to go to Stanford. And I said, well, then you need to hang up the phone with me and do everything in your power to be there. And I remember saying to him four years from now, I want to see you at Stanford. And it was so cool at winter nationals seeing him. And he's like, I remember you telling me that. And I was like, that was cool. So it's really neat hearing you talk. That's about awesome. Too. Yeah. He's a great kid. We've been yeah. working so much stuff and he gets better every day you know and it's never fast enough for, for hunter he wants to get he wants to get better you know faster than he's getting better but he is getting better and they're all like that every stanford yeah. kid is like that they're they're such overachievers they come in like so like ready they want to learn immediately they want to like you know and sometimes you got to back them up before right. you can step forward you know yeah and it's um, awesome but um but they're they're you know they they overthink everything. They're really smart. You know, you're like, Hey, get your arms up. And they're like, you know, like then they do a dive and you're like, okay, what were you thinking about? Like, I was thinking about like the shape of my tuck. And I'm like, I told you. <laughs> they're like, yeah, but if I got my arms up, then my tuck was going to be different. And, <laughs> you know, like, and I'm like, Oh my God, like, stop, just stop. Give me your brain. <laughs> you know, that's so that's the challenge. That's the challenge at Stanford. And I, I, you know, across the board. I mean, we're one of the best, I really the, the best athletic university in the country. You know, we won the 
director's cup for 25 years it's not just like we just yeah. won men's gymnastics and we win women's tennis almost every year and women's water polo and women's swimming is amazing like our swimming and diving team is great but like the swimming component of mm-hmm. our swimming and diving team they're, they're amazing yeah. um just like so many amazing sports here golf our women's golf team is crazy i think they just put a bunch of people like they, they all played at the you know like the masters and all did amazing um, yes that was um that was rose zhang i'm a huge fan of rose she died sure she's a golfer at stanford but hey just real quick before we move on from the tower conversation i want to go back to men's nc's and talk about ethan foster oh it looked like yes. he had the best day ever and the only thing i remember is you and jack everybody yes. just losing their minds after every dive he did so can you take us back there what was going on in your head well yeah so uh, let me let me I'm, I'm gonna segue this into i'm gonna i'm gonna go out of order here for you you guys because you, you one of the questions you're gonna ask later is like what can we do better yeah improve usa diving and the NCAA system, this is specifically for USA Diving. We have a huge gap between Ethan Foster graduating from high school till where he is now mm-hmm. with not a lot of support, not a lot of events for him to go to. And this is just, I'm talking about a kid like him, mm-hmm. you know, um, where it's just hard to keep the momentum going. And, you know, Ethan is training you know, year after year without like, you know, qualifying for a national championships. Like mm-hmm. we sent in his tape from the Texas invite and, you know, it was like me and Dwight D. May and, you know, Manny and like, and Richard Marshall. Like we, we had a judging panel that was not, we weren't like, he got like fifth at the meet, but he was like nine points over the score. And we sent in the film and they came back and he was like, he's 15 points under. And there's only 14 guys qualified for that event. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's like, why? And he had a full platform. It's just like, why not? let this kid dive in that event yeah that there's no reason not to do that or have a qualifying event that will fill out the field of kids who can do a full platform list mm-hmm. you know i i just think it's you know it, it, i think we need to make sure that there's opportunity and we've got and i think the age group kids need to be supported but we've got a lot of we have a lot of kid, age group kids pre-qualified and they can go through the qualifying mm-hmm. part of it you know they can do that and then you know and they and I just think that we're losing these kids that there's just a huge gap. They fall off a cliff. You know, we got to figure out a way not to do that. And, you know, this is a testament to Ethan Foster, who really kept going through a pandemic, through not being qualified for like senior level events. You know, he was diving mostly in, you know, our dual meets and um, our our invitationals and zone me he qualified for ncaa's i think it's just third time but he didn't get to go to the first one because they canceled it and um you know and just not having a lot of those opportunities but you know he's been developing this whole time he's doing really and and i knew i wasn't surprised that he did what he did because i've seen him do it before but when it all comes together for a kid like that it was so nice and then we get this letter he's on you know he's on tier three now but you know but i think there's there's a way for that kid not to have to qualify like all the way onto tier three to be able to dive at the nationals yeah and they just fall through the cracks and we've got like you know 15 age group kids there you know if you're not if you're 
if you're good enough in age groups, then you get like that opportunity. But like, there's mm-hmm. kids that are just below that that like go to all these different colleges, and there's nothing for them to do. There's no end of summer meet. There's no, you know. And I think that's really important. But anyways, mm-hmm. yes, let's talk about Ethan specifically. So proud of him. He it was amazing. Yeah, and he he's one of the most joyful people I've ever met in my life. Um, every day he'd come into practice is just put a smile on my face. He gives me a hundred percent all the time. He's uh, super straightforward, transparent, honest about where he is, how he's feeling, what he can do. Um, and we, I just met him right there every day and just pushed him a little further. And he was willing to do all the crazy stuff that I, you know, wanted him to do to make him better. And um, he just super bought in and it paid off. And it's just so nice when it comes together for a kid like that. And I, he was so close to making the finals. He needed like uh, eight and a half, eight and a half, eight on his back three and a half. And he got like seven and a half, eight, eight. Mm-hmm. And I personally thought it was an eight and a half. So. <laughs> <laughs> it was but. so much fun. Cause, cause he did not have the best warm up, if I remember correctly, or at least he had one dive that did not go his way. Cause Aaron looked at me and goes, he just came up and went, ow. Yeah, I think it was a Zimmer three and a half. He like totally went flying over on it. But um, but yeah, no, that that stuff like that never bothers Ethan either. He's just that's like, awesome. Okay, fine. I know what I'm getting. like, just let me at him. And he's a very good competitor. He's one of those kids where he will come with his top end of stuff. Every once in a while, he'll have a meet where, and he did this at the Winter Nationals. He dove three meter there and killed it and mm-hmm. didn't get close to that score. That's where, that's an example of he should have been with the with the list that he did that should have qualified for senior that would qualify for senior nationals and yeah that, that would have qualified for the ncaa championships if he had done that in his own meet yeah we we actually talked about that i remember doing the recap where we were like reviewing that pre-qualification meet at winners and we're like how do you have it set up where there's only one person that made it through men or women like only one person like that tells us some- the finals the, the, the yeah. guy who made it through made the finals exactly yes. you know? alan, yeah. that was alan right yeah alan botego he's yep. awesome yeah. that kid is amazing I he's just, so he's good out. yeah he's so dynamic he's a nice kid too he reminds me of jevin a little I, bit i actually uh showed one of my one of my college divers his front three and a half pike in finals and it was they're like how the heck did he do that and i go dude he does some stuff where you just go that was amazing and then he also does some stuff every now and then you're like uh-oh we're a little out of control <laughs> and i was you know who that was? That was Mark Lindsay. <laughs> right? Hey, that's a pretty good person to get so compared what to. Are what a great comp. So, wow. you know, you just you just got to be resilient. You know, you got to yeah. come, come back every day. Yeah. That's cool. Oh. So, Patrick, what would you say in your coaching that you feel are some of your strengths and maybe some of your weaknesses? Uh, so, I think some of my strengths, I think I'm technically really good. Um. I think I know what I'm looking at and I can admit when I don't, and I have enough really good friends in diving that I can call up and be like, walk me through this, you know, and I do it. I, you know, I, I don't, I, you know, I think I, I don't have like this huge ego about it. You know, like I'll go up to Drew and I'll be like, Drew, you gotta help. I don't know what I'm doing here. <laughs> you know, like, can you help me with this? And he'll he'll be like, sure. Or I'll go up to Randy or whatever. And we all do it for each other, you know. But like, get that when I start that conversation, sometimes I'll get a question back, you know. But um, uh, you know, and I do it with Randy. I'll do it with uh, Winger. I do it with Winger all the time because he's like, it's funny because 
so this is like an analogy that I use sometimes like as a photographer because I have a degree in photography too because I did that after I finished college when I was training for the my second Olympics um uh as a photographer you take a camera and the camera is like a piece of technical equipment and there are diff two different kinds of photographers there's a photographer look at this camera and be like I can make this camera do this and the other kind of photographer is like I see the world like this and I've got to make this camera see the world the way I see it and I'm the second guy and Wingfield's the first guy. He, <laughs> he can tell you how that camera works. He knows every technical aspect of like everything. And I, I'm like, I'm like the artist. I see something and I'm like, I got, I, I, that's, that's how I want a dive to look. And so, you know, and then I go backwards from there. Then I figure out how to make it look like that. And, but I've always said that form functions, I good form functions really well, like good straight flat lines, tight lines, you know, things like good connections that look really quick, mm -hmm. like all that stuff. If you can get that stuff to, to, to look right, to look beautiful, it's also really working. The best dives look effortless, mm -hmm. you know? And so if you get somebody who looks like they're working really hard all the time, they're probably not diving right. Even if they're going in straight and they're, you know, they're probably not conserving the energy in the right places, you know? So I think I'm good. I think I'm good like with technique, but I'm I'm more like, I, I think I'm really good with the art end of it. Like when you watch my best divers that I've ever had, like Terry and say Jack, um, they look really good. Yeah. You know, when they do a great dive, it's like, it's beautiful. I have a girl, Lauren, who's like, just gorgeous. Like we're still working on her strength and her quickness and all that stuff, but she's really good. Like when she does a great dive, they give it a nine, you know? And so, you know, it's just like one of those things where like some people just don't have that. They have to, and I wasn't that guy all the time. Like I don't, you know, like Kimball would get nines all the time and I just have to like eight, eight and a half of them to death and have more DD, you know? But um, there's something, sometimes you can't, teach that or sometimes you can like work that into their diving and i think i'm good at that a little bit um mm. plus I, I like to watch that you know every day like if i'm gonna sit there and watch this every day i want to see something beautiful yeah you know so it's selfish too like i just want <laughs> no that's that's awesome that's a great point i love the the comparison there too the way you explained that that yeah. was spot on i, I yeah, like that I think, both, I think both things are what are needed mm -hmm. you know and i think if two coaches like that could work together. Mm -hmm. That would be great. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like you had said that and explained it. Like, I see the world this way, like this is how I want the dive to look. And I'm like, I don't think I ever think about diving that way. And now I'm like sitting here going, man, what if I did just backtrack it? And it's like, okay, this is how I want it to look. How do I work the skills and the technique and all those yeah. little intricacies to get there. And it's, mm -hmm. it's just a different way to look at. It. And I really, I, it's neat. I like it. Sometimes, sometimes I, I catch myself, like I'll be in that coaching brain. Okay. Technically here's what we're doing. Here's what we want to do. And then right before a meet or at least a bigger meet, I'll take that coaching brain off and put my judges hat on. And I'll be like, all right, let's just look at this dive. Is this a good dive? And then I can see, oh yeah, very clearly your shoulders are in the wrong spot. Okay. That's easier to fix now that I'm not looking at it with a fine tooth comb. I'm just looking broad picture. So that was great. Thank you, Patrick. Oh, you're welcome. So, so Patrick, you know, you were a high level diver. You're clearly a very high level coach. How are you able to use your high level knowledge and IQ of diving and relate it to your college athletes? Um, 
You mean like uh, having been a diver? Yeah, more so having been a high-level diver. You know, you always hear sometimes like just because you were a great athlete doesn't make you a great coach. Well, you hear that all the time, and that's the truth. That's yeah. The absolute truth. You, you, uh, you know, and I think sometimes part of that is it just depends on what your motivation was to be a high-level diver, mm -hmm. a high-level athlete. And none of this is bad, right? You know, like, mm -hmm. it's just one of those things, like, some, 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 uh, a certain ways of looking at it make you a better coach than mm -hmm. other ways. And I think, um, first of all, really high-level athletes have to be selfish. You have to be focused on yourself. You have yeah. to be, you have to take care of yourself. You have to worry about yourself. You have to try and beat everybody else. You want to be the best. There's only one spot on the top of that podium. You know, you yep. want it, right? So, you have you have to be selfish but at the same time you know um if you go if you do that in coaching you know if it's about you if it's about you know you, you've got to be able to transition yeah. right and the other thing is too is that if you were a diver that had a lot of natural ability and things came pretty easy to you you're just expecting it to come easy to your athletes that's not that doesn't work that way you've got to teach them how to do stuff and yeah. You know, I found myself over the 23, four or five years, I don't care, remember how, <laughs> like me realizing that, hey, you know what, I was really good at this thing and I'm not really good at teaching it. So I've got to like break this down. And you see this happen a lot. You see coaches who are really good at something not be able to teach it very well because the ache was natural to them. So yep. you have to be able to like take a step back and, you know, zoom out and be like, okay, this kid. I need to like break this down, you know, this, this part of this skill that I always felt was easy, you know, mm -hmm. I need to teach it to them. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's, that's important. Also, I was like more of like an affiliation type of person. I just, I, I really wanted to be on the team and, <laughs> you know, I wanted to be able to say I won, like my friend won, you know, I wanted to be like Olympic gold medalist. So that'd be cool <laughs> to say that because there's a group of people that are called Olympic gold medalists, not just because right. I wanted, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> So I was always more like, you know, I, I came at it from a different perspective, I think a little yeah. bit. And um, so, uh, you know, when I, when I transitioned into coaching, I just, I think it was a little easier and I, I, I love being able to um, help kids progress and do and better every day at something that they're passionate about you know yeah. i, I want to be there for them so that they can they can achieve their goals and yeah that's so much fun to be a part of it's harder too like when you're sitting there and ethan's got to do his back three and a half to make the finals or to you know make the semifinals or whatever and you know he can do it you're like you can't do anything about it you just gotta <laughs> yeah. there and you're like come on buddy you got this you know? and, i think uh, we all relate to that feeling yeah <laughs> And when you're a diver, you're like, okay, I got this. I'm doing it. You know, yep. and I remember that feeling being like, no problem. Like, don't worry about this. I got this one, you know? Yep. So uh, that's, that's awesome. So I do have a follow-up because I, I really loved what you said in terms of high level athletes have to be selfish. So putting that perspective and that thought on as a coach, how do you deal with having high level athletes that should be selfish and focused on themselves? but building a great team culture. Yeah, it's a very interesting. It's a very interesting thing. You know, I, I'm, I actually really, you know, I, I know a lot of um, uh, diving people and for good reasons, you know, think that swimming and diving should be separate and all that. 
Uh, I'm I'm really really lucky to work with some really amazing coaches on right. my staff. They're like you know head Olympic coaches and stuff, and I sit I have meetings with them. You know mm-hmm. sometimes they're they're one offs where I'm like, hey, I need to meet with you and talk to you about something or with. You know, and I, I met with our head swim coach today for a little while, but like we had standing, we have standing meetings where we will we'll, we'll just talk about whatever is on our minds. But like, um, I, you know, and being a dive, one of the things I don't like about diving is that we're all separated, you know, and we don't have like, it would be great if there were two people on each staff, you know, mm-hmm. an assistant coach, you can mentor them. There's a head coach, you know, so you can like kind of, and, and you wouldn't have to do like everything all the time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I'm lucky because I've got great volunteer assistant coach. That position's going away. That's the thing that that's the NCAA question. They need to fix that. Right. They need to make sure that diving can have assistant coaches, whether they're volunteers or some other thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have these swimming coaches I talk to sometimes, like when I'm struggling with something or like, how do you deal with this? You know, or, you know, um, and they'll help, they'll, they'll they're great. You know, yeah. they, they give me good advice and I try and implement it and, you know, and a lot of times it'll work. And so like, I think that's, that's good. That's, that's a good thing. Um, uh, what else? Uh, I don't know. Um, no, that's okay. Yeah. I think it was, it was just an interesting thought I had. I'm like, that's such a great thing sometimes for athletes to hear that it's okay to be selfish but still support your teammates. So I think it's yeah. just a great so, thought. These they're really good with team culture too. Like really good with that stuff. So, you know, I try, I try and take some of their advice on that. And plus, you know, we just talk a lot, you know, I talk mm-hmm. to my kids a lot, you know, yeah. and I think as a diver, you have to know, you have to respect your teammates boundaries as far as them taking care of themselves to do well mm-hmm. yep. while supporting them. You know, yeah, I agree. I yep. It's really important. Yeah, for sure. So what would you tell a young diver that's aspiring to be great? Uh, resilient, be resilient. Yeah. Never, never give up. Never. And the thing that the, I think the time that is the most wasted is the time that you get frustrated and you beat yourself up and you try, you try to, you think you should be doing better. Like, instead of just being like, okay, this is where I am today. Let me. And I, I had this conversation the other day with, uh, with the, uh, Jack, um, it just basically is like if you're having a bad day, you have got to have the best worst day that anybody. <laughs> ever I love that. And, That's awesome. And it's because it's this is my this is my philosophy. Because everybody's gonna have a bad day, no matter how good you are. You know, Andrew Cabo Bianco is gonna have a bad day, and you know, Krista Palmer is gonna have a bad day. Like you know, it's gonna happen. But the thing is is that if you can have a better bad day than they do, then you, then you just got ahead. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. So, I mean, obviously, you know, hopefully you have less bad days, <laughs> but you know, I think if you can look at it that way, you're like, look, I got to have the best bad day that anybody has, you know, like, I'm, could, you know, cause this is where I can win. This is where I can gain some traction because somebody else is going to give up. Mm-hmm. Right. So it gives you a way to try and spin it so that this is an opportunity, not, a failure that's all that's really important and and if you can do that but the thing is too is all the best kids all the best kids have those those days where they get like a little they they get in their head they get dark they get you know terry horner jevin tarantino jack ryan um you know like all those kids 
Yeah, yeah. They, they, they were all like that. They're super driven. And some days I just like have to like sit them down for five minutes and tell them to cool off because, you know, you need to, you know, reframe. And, but yeah, you know, Alexander Despotis talk about that all the time, like how he wished he could have had less of those days, you know? Mm-hmm. I think, I think we all do. Like, I just loved what you said. You got to have the best bad day. Like I loved it. Like I'm literally telling my athletes that tomorrow, like they're going to be like, Oh crap. Heath, Heath got more ideas from coaches. Um, Wait till they're having a bad day though. Yeah. Now in in general, when you look at age group diving in the U S what do you see as the strengths and the weaknesses of our divers here in the States? Well, um, I, I, I don't know. We've got some great programs. We've got yeah. some really great, there are some coaches out there doing a really, really good job um, of developing these kids. One of them is my age group coach, head age group coach, Oleg. He runs the whole show. He's amazing. The kids that come out of our program are so good. Yeah. And he's so like, he's so basic skills oriented. And I think there was a point where Oleg was like stuck on some of that stuff a little too much. Mm-hmm. And I think he realized, you know, he's starting to move them forward a little more. And it's, and, you know, and I think it's just, you, you find your feet on this, like what's the appropriate amount to do, you know? And I think he's done that. And he, like some of our older kids are starting to do really well. And I, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and the pandemic was hard because we, our pool wasn't open and Stanford's so conservative and we told everybody just to go wherever they wanted to go. And they all did great. And I'm really happy for all of them, but Oleg basically had to start over. And so, um, but he's doing great he, every day. He's awesome. Um, and, you know, I, I just off the top of my head, there's a bunch of, there's just a bunch of really great teams. I mean, we had juniors who were Olympians on the last mm-hmm. Olympic team, you know, those yeah. did an amazing job, Wingfield, and Jeff Burrow did great with those kids. Um, and there's just like so many, Mission Viejo's kicking butt, mm-hmm. they're doing great. Michelle's like heading that up and she's now administrative, but like, you know, um, John, Todd Mulzett, those kids, those guys are kicking ass, they're doing so well. So yeah. Um, and I'm sure there's so many more that, you yeah. know, we can, you know, like, uh, uh, Mandy's doing great at Ohio state, you know, like yep. just, just amazing, you know? Yeah. And every time I see them, I'm just, you know, Stephanie, she, you know, it's just, <laughs> I can't, you know, there's just every time I think it's just another one, you know? Yep. So yeah, sure. that's awesome. Yeah. So <clears throat> we know diving is a really small tight knit community. Over the years of diving and coaching, who are some of the people you get excited to see on deck at meets? That's that's a, like a, that's a big question for me. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone, I you know I you know I'm not one of those like some people just don't like to see too many people. I I love everyone. I'm such a fan of our community. Um, I you know all the coaches, all the, or the people that I used to dive with, especially like Randy and Mark and. Um, you know, and like all the coaches I've traveled with, like Drew and Hong Ping and um, Matt. Matt's like one of my best friends. Me, me and Matt, we did the we used to call it the Communist World Tour. Like any time a meet was like a big meet was in like a communist country, like Russia or Yugoslavia or China or something like that. We'd look at each other and be like, "We're gonna make this one because like, you know, if it was in, you know, if it was in Australia, it's like somebody else would make it." You know. <laughs> <laughs> we did like the communist world tour i swear but um, <laughs> that's it, so serious. funny we went to every like cuba we had made the pan am team together and you know cuba you know like it just was like 
so we've been and we've had some like rough situations where our suitcases got lost and every you know like just all kinds of mayhem but um yeah uh, but you know, just all, all those people I love, like the people who were on the table, like Leah and, um, you know, the judges, you know, Kim and, you know, and uh, Koki and Kelly and, you know, Jessica Beale and you know, Volmecki and John Johnson, like all of them. Like, I love all of them. Like, you know, Julie, who comes, she, her, all her, she went to Miami, but all her siblings went to Stanford. She had like five siblings that went to Stanford. She's a judge. See her every time, you know, say hi to everybody you know i just yeah i look forward we, to seeing everybody Good we re we relate very well to that we were at winter nationals yeah. and literally i think at one point aaron and i are like holy crap that's patrick jeffrey we got to go say hi <laughs> like we do that with every coach we're like this is I, awesome i i sat down next to david bodaya and i was like i gotta go sit next to him this is david bodaya this is the coolest yeah. moment of my David's life awesome <laughs> just go talk to him he's fine uh, I, I still know, think he's the nicest is. guy you ever want to meet. He's so yeah. I have a story about David, and I, I told, I told, I, I, I've asked David before if he could remember this, and he does. He said he didn't remember it, but I remember it like clear as day. And he was, it was, it was like an age group meet. He was like 12, 13 years old, and um, he, it was the finals, and he got second to, to Thomas Fincham, who's an amazing diver. Like, yep. You know, but he was sitting on the, on the hot tub at Coral Springs and he was just like hanging his neck and his silver medal was hanging off his neck. And I went and I sat down next to him and I was like, don't worry, you'll, you're going to do great. <laughs> I like, you're, you're an amazing diver. And I said, just keep trying, just keep doing it. You'll be great. I, you know, I think you'll win one day. I think you'll win the, you know, you'll be able to win the meet one day. You know, not that, not that I, any comparison with him and Thomas, but they're both so good. I was just like, you know, you'll have your turn. Don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah like your and, day's coming yeah and he was just a little boy and it was then you know then he won the olympics so i was right yeah <laughs> yeah you called it you called it yeah. <laughs> that's amazing. awesome that's awesome uh, we gotta get um we gotta get um oh my gosh his name is eluding me uh matt scoggin on the podcast yes. he had a really Absolutely. good story Absolutely. and i went when I went Matt, down Matt, he's the best tell, to, storyteller too. Like he can he, tell stories like nobody's business. No, he, he truly is. I went down there for a camp one year and he tells this story about the one time he beat Luganus. And I mean, <laughs> I was like on pins and needles, you know, cause he, he, he didn't have a good first end of his meet. And then his last three dives, it's just like, he came out of nowhere and, and nobody expected it. And it was just like, dang, oh, I was there. I was there. It was in Orlando mm -hmm. and he just demolished his platform list i mean <laughs> i don't know if you ever saw him rip anything but it was like no like there was three guys it was watson kimball and scoggin those three guys just could rip like nobody's business and then like Donny came along but <laughs> um, but those guys could just oh their their entries were just incredible and beautiful yeah. that was a beautiful diver too yeah, awesome. for sure. Well, we'll get into our signature questions now. Um, you actually alluded to it earlier. Mm -hmm. uh, we don't treat failure like it's a bad thing. We treat failure like it's an opportunity for growth. You know, you're either winning or you're learning. So from that perspective, Patrick, what would you say your favorite failure has been or you're just your best opportunity for growth? Well, okay. So the first thing, I don't know whether where you heard that from, but like I used to say, I said this a long, long time ago. I always tell my kids, I say, you win or you learn. And mm -hmm. if you learn, you win. 
So if you do it right, you never lose. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, I'm writing it down right now. <clears throat> so, anyways, um, there's a huge obvious one for me, right? Is not making the 92 Olympic team. Um, and that was devastating. But I have to tell you, I probably had the most personal growth in my entire life when that happened. I just I, right after it happened, I, and, and it was so hard because, like, I, I was in um, Fort Lauderdale, and some of my best friends made that team. Scott Doney, Karen LaFace, Kent Ferguson. Um, they were all, all my teammates. Um, Mary Ellen Clark. All my teammates. All four of them. And my best friends, I spent my whole life with them, you know, and I was the only one of them that was an Olympian when we went to the, the meet, right? So we walked out and I didn't make it and they all made it. And I was so happy for all of them. It was so, I, and I made myself watch. I was like, just devastated, but I was just like, I have to watch. And it was so much fun. It was so much fun to watch Scott get his silver medal. Um, Mary Ellen get her bronze medal. It was just amazing. Um, and, uh, but I, you know, I, I was, thinking about retiring and it was like three weeks later I was just like I want to go to the pool and I realized you know I had been doing diving for this one thing I was like so tunnel vision like I want to make the Olympic team I want to make the Olympic team and I forgot to like realize how much I loved it and I just wanted to go to the pool. I wanted to bounce around on a diving board. I want to try and put my hand on a back three and a half. I wanted to like, you know, I, I wanted to do those things. I was just so like, I missed it. Like, like, like an ache, you know? And I realized that, you know, every day is its own reward, you know? And I remember calling my mom and saying, Hey, you know, I think I'm going to dive for another four years. And she was like, Oh, that's okay, honey. You know, like we're, we're just not going to come to anything else. <laughs> I, was 20, I was 27 at that point. Right? <laughs> I was 31. And, and I was like, well, if I make the Olympics again, you can come to that. Right. She's like, yeah, we'll do that. It's fine. <laughs> we didn't even come to the 96 Olympic trials. None of them came. And they said, they said to me, they were like, if you make it, we'll go to the Olympics. They all went to the, and they were, they, I didn't think they, I didn't think they thought I was going to make the Olympics and I won the trials. And so they all, like, they all came to the, the Olympics. It was fun. But um, yeah, you know, and I just realized that, you know, I'd missed the life of an athlete. And I think, and I, I heard Dario saying on your thing, cause I listened to his, uh, he was just like when the kids come in and they're upset. He's like wants to shake them. We're like, wait, this is the best time of your life. Yes, like, yes. like get your head out of your body. You got to enjoy this, you know. But it took like that happening to me to realize that you know how much I loved it, you know, and how much fun it was to be on a team and to set goals and to be with my friends and my coaches and being out in the sun and floor, you know, like every day, and you know, just how just doing a dive is like going on a roller coaster you know it's just fun it's like it's a feeling like people don't get and and i was so passionate about i'd still be diving if my body didn't fall apart i'm sure but um i just get to you know be in, involved in a different way you know? so yeah but that 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 changed my life that failure was it really made my life different and when i went into the olympic trials the third time i just said to myself 
this is another day I get to dive and hopefully it's not the last one. That's cool. That's exciting. I love it. Yeah, that's awesome. <clears throat> well, we already talked a little bit earlier about what USA Diving can do to improve. You mentioned, you know, those kids that aren't on the tier three squad, what do they do? Where do they go? So I might actually have a, a little bit of an answer for this and it's kind of a, a self plug, a shameless plug, but um, my next follow-up is always what as we, what can we as coaches do to help those improvements? Well, we have a, an event coming up in May called the showdown. And we invited all the tier three squad from previous years, uh, AAU national champions. And then also it's open-ended for anybody else to come. And we're wanting others mm -hmm. just like Ethan, like you mentioned, come on down. This is your chance to get recognized by college coaches who might be there recruiting. Um, you're going to be diving with your peers that are on that tier three squad that maybe you think you should be there. All right. Let's see it. Let's let's get everybody in the same pool. Everybody's going to be working together, diving together, competing together, but also like, hey, you know, maybe we overlooked a couple of names that we shouldn't. And that's, I think, a perfect opportunity. And I think more of those events should happen. I mean, I think we should have a, a designated. I think there should be certain things that absolutely should happen. And and. I've talked to Lee about this. Lee and I were on the Junior Canada Mex team in 1982 in Mexico together. Like I've known him since we were kids and we're <laughs> really close. Um, and I, 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 I've said to Lee a couple times, I was like, we need to, number one, there needs to be a, like a real nationals at the end of the summer. There needs to be an end of the summer event that these kids can work towards. And I understand that the age group stuff is so important, but we got a little bit run over by the age group program, you know, because they realized there was more of them and we're, we're voting on everything. Right. Mm -hmm. But, and, and it's, and I think they need to be listened to. They're amazing. Like, again, I mentioned all those coaches, they all deserve everything that, you know, we can do for their kids and everything. But at the same time, the senior program kind of, just i don't know it just turned to non-existent like we used to have a nationals at the end of the summer that was really important it was always you know you if you got top eight you walked out of there with a bag full of stuff said usa diving national team on it you know you might not get a trip you filled out a trip form but you know if you got eight sometimes you didn't get to go anywhere but you were on the national team mm -hmm. and i i think we need to do that i think we need a little bit of more more of that we need um you know it's not just but what that's going to take is we need to figure out how to generate more money. We had a really great sponsor back then. It was Phillips 66. They're a big oil company. And in, in Oklahoma, we used to have our, we used to have our uh, nationals in Bartlesville. I won my, I won the nationals there twice um, <laughs> in, in Bartlesville, Oklahoma, because that's where they were located and they built a pool there and we all would go there and, and have our nationals there. And every four years we had it once every four years we had it in Bartlesville, but they supported us and they, they sent us all over the world and they, you know, they were great. And at one point it just didn't make sense for them to do it anymore, I guess. And so we lost them. And, and then it just kind of like, we need to find another, we need to find another um, avenue to raise funds to make sure that we could, um, you know, support some of these things, you know, synchro camps for the high, higher level kids um, to try and get the right pairs together um 
you know, like I said, bag full of stuff, if you're top eight or top, whatever, top six, I don't care what it is, you know, like, but just mm-hmm. a goal that these kids can, can shoot towards, you know, when you walk out of the nationals, you're on the national team, you get like a, you get something. Yeah. Um, and um, being able to send us to more of this stuff and, and, and uh, Fino, which is not Fino anymore. It's like the world yeah. association or something. Um, you know, they, they the, that whole thing kind of imploded too. Like we used to have all this Grand Prix circuit and now it's like they started trying to make like the World Series and now, now that's the World Cup. It's really mm-hmm. confusing, but mm-hmm. um, I think we need more access to, to international events that, you know, like that we have like... A, as a world community, I think we need to like, I think that's kind of been a little short-sighted because like, there's only like a few kids who go to all those things and then everybody else is just sitting around twiddling their thumbs. Yeah. I think we need more interaction with the international community as well an opportunity for that. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, and, nope. and I don't know, like, you know, I know, I know Lee's working on a bunch of that uh, and you know, not, I'm not, I'm not, and, and Leslie too. Like, I am not like saying that they're not doing what they right. should. It's difficult, and we need, we need to, we need to, and and they, they all need more support too. There's just not enough support. Yeah. Um, so if anybody out there knows anybody that might be interested in sponsoring you, call Lee and Leslie. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So, favorite drill. What's your favorite drill to do with your athletes? Uh, um this is a tough one i do i do a lot, a lot of come out drills um we do um let me see can i show you one yes please it's do a podcast i know it's a podcast but um let me see if i can we'll have to we'll have to convince him to send it to us and we can post it uh later yeah we can post it on the instagram and everybody will love it where is it i have it on here um today but it's this drill where you do a back lineup but you do it like on a stack of mats and then you, you have somebody hold you up and you can you can like push to flat and then um also you know stretch so it's like this like you're on a mat and you have a you have a partner here who like pulls you up and you go boom and then you can do your back lineup and you just drop Ooh. but you have to have this right height. that's, that's exactly what jack ryan said yeah, he was ta- he was talking about a that's, lot of drills to get his hands through fast. That's into the pool though, and I like that one too. I stack up oh. a couple mats. And you could start with start high, but that's into the pool off the one meter platform where you're in a tuck and you mm-hmm. and like so what that drill's for is to like expedite like when you do like a, a an easy back tuck come out, you kick out and everything stays down, right? Yeah. And the line of force goes through your feet and you anchor at your toe. And then the kinetic chain goes from your toe through to your hand as you stretch, right? Mm-hmm. You don't you don't lift. You you have to squeeze under, and and and, and the, that line of force goes through your whole body. Right. So when you do like a really hard dive, you don't have time to leave your hands down, right? So mm-hmm. what you do is you leave your hands like right where they are, but you still anchor through your toe. Mm-hmm. So they, your hands stay with your upper body; they don't lift. Right. They just stay where they were when you're in the talk and you have to kick out and then and then you've expedited everything from when your arms are straight and like down on your thighs mm-hmm. to up by your eyes. And you can just do the kick and flip and you don't you don't have to get from your knees to your to your 
chin. Yeah, that makes so much sense. That's but you can't lift. You, it's it's weird because like you're not lifting. You're still just going through your feet on that part. Right. Right. Um. All right, Patrick. Best advice given and or received. Well, I'll I'll uh, I'll tell you the things my dad used to tell me. There's a few of them. Um, winners never quit and quitters never win. <laughs> That's like something you say all the time. Yeah. Speak louder than words. So, you know, actions speak louder than words, you know, don't say it, show me. Mm-hmm. Um, and let me think, what other advice have I gotten that? Um, but that I, I heard a lot of that for sure. Um, but just never, never give up. Just never give up. If you have a dream, never give up. And, uh, you know, just be passionate, stoke your passions, you know. And, but the other thing is too, is you also have to be resilient. You have to be resilient. My best athletes have always been resilient. They, they mm-hmm. fail all the time. And don't be afraid. This is a really good one. This is my advice. Mm-hmm. Don't be afraid to get out of your comfort zone. Yeah. Don't be afraid to do something different that might be wrong. Because, you know, then you're never going to, if you don't, if it doesn't feel different, it's not going to be better. Right. Yep. So you have to try and you're probably going to do it wrong first. Yeah. And you, can't, you can't get upset with yourself. You can't, yeah. if you can't do it perfect the first time you got, you know, sometimes it takes a couple practices to make a change, you know, and sometimes it takes yeah. a year for some people to, to make right. certain changes, you know, like, like arm timing is a hard one. Like, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, some kids are like really wired up for backs and gainers or some are really wired up for front. <laughs> Or the time is completely different. You got to teach them the other one. Yep. You know? <laughs> yep. So, you know, that's, you know, that's hard sometimes to teach them that other timing, especially if they're late on fronts and emergency. Mm-hmm. Like it's kind of hard to, to get them to get their arms through. And that takes a while sometimes. Yeah. And yeah. You have to be resilient. You have to be really resilient. Yeah. Um, get out of your comfort zone. Overcrowd. I, I, I think all of that's good. I feel like, Anytime your dad gave you advice, it's always good advice. Like no matter most for most people, it's like listen to your dad, listen to your mom. Yeah. It's just a good rule of thumb. Who would you like to hear us interview next? Um, yeah, I, Matt was a great one. Um, I don't know if you'll ever get him on, but Vince is amazing. <laughs> um, Matt tells the best stories though ever. Like if you want to, he'd be like, "This one time <laughs> we were in Russia, and like you, you got you got to wait. You just get him on." um he'll he'll tell awesome he can tell a story awesome well we're gonna aim to try to get both of them that's the goal and then my last question before we kind of do our send-off is what question are we not asking that we should be asking to coaches and athletes that we interview i don't know i think you're doing a pretty good job (laughs) um i i i can't really come up with one awesome Um, but so anyway awesome awesome no, uh, honestly, Patrick, thank you so much. I know Aaron and I have been really excited for this one ever since we talked at uh, Winter Nationals. So it's it's really been a pleasure to get to talk to you. And thank you so much for giving us time on a Wednesday. So for our listeners, we, we actually record this on a Wednesday. So it means a lot for you to take time out of your schedule to meet with us. So thank you so much. No, no worries. It was fun. And good luck to you guys. If you ever need anything, just let me know. Okay. Yeah, thank you. We'll definitely take you up on that. Um, Before we go, just a reminder, camps and clinics. We have our camp here at Clarion. Coaches, if you want to 
for us to advertise your camps or clinics, just let us know um, and keep an eye out for all the job openings for you diving coaches that are listening. So uh, that is it from me. Yeah. And if you're out there listening, hit us up on Instagram. We are at the diving pod. Our email of course is the diving pod at gmail.com. Reach out with questions or anything you might want. Um, again, t-shirts and hoodies still for sale at divingpod.itemorder.com. Enter divepod at checkout for free shipping. Again, thank you so much, Patrick. An absolute pleasure to finally get to, you know, have the one-on-one conversation, uh, a good, uh, a good podcast episode for sure. So thanks again. Can I, can I say one more thing? Absolutely. Yeah. I want to give a, a shout out to um, uh, Justin and Lyle for Lyle winning the one meter first time since I did it. I love them both. They're both awesome. <laughs> yes, I love it. Ohio State runs deep. It's amazing. <laughs> All right. Well, we will see you next time.